Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Man, I'm excited because we're beginning a series called Start Stronger. And if you remember in December, I preached three weeks, a series called Finish Strong. And we finished strong as a church, man. We had an awesome December. We had a great December 23rd. New Year. What's the holiday? Christmas. Christmas Eve was fantastic. Raise your hand if you came to the Christmas Eve service. Yeah, we had quite a few people here, lots of guests, and it was a good time. And then we finished strong in every area, inviting people, reaching people, ministering to people, serving people. And one of the things that we did in December was we invited people to the joy of radical generosity towards our Christmas offering so we could finish our budget strong and so that we could get a good start in the new year. And so we set out this really crazy, huge, huge goal. And although we did not meet the goal of $60,000, we met a very uh, awesome mark. And that is that our church, the people that actually attend our church gave somewhere around $45,000 so that we could finish the year financially strong and so that we could get a good start on the new year. Isn't that awesome? Let's thank God for that. And I will say that although uh, we didn't make that $60,000 mark, Uh, we had more money given from people that actually attend our church towards the Christmas offering twice as much than any years in the past. So last year we did a a larger amount, but most of it was from the outside partners that we have. So it's pretty awesome. So I'm excited. I believe that that's a way that God is encouraging us as a church. And uh, I'm excited about starting this new series. And we're in a really great place, healthy place. And uh, I'm glad that you're here today. So I'm going to start with this illustration. Imagine you have two women of the same age, the same socioeconomic status, the same educational level, and even the same temperament. You hire both of them, and to each of them you say, you're a part of an assembly line. This is your job, and your job is to take part A and to put it into slot B, and then hand that product to someone else. And I want you to do it over and over for eight hours. You put them in identical rooms, same lighting, same temperature, same ventilation, You give them the same number of breaks every day, and the reality is it is very boring work. The conditions are the same in every way except for one difference. To the first woman, you tell her that at the end of the year, her pay will be $30,000. To the second woman, at the end of the year, you tell her that her pay will be $30 million dollars. So they work for a couple of weeks, and the first woman says, isn't this tedious? Isn't this driving you insane? Aren't you thinking of quitting? And the second woman will say, no, I think it's perfectly acceptable. In fact, I whistle while I work. So what's going on? So you have two human beings experiencing identical circumstances, but they're experiencing them in radically different ways. What makes the difference? Here's the difference. It's the hope of their reward. Now, this illustration is not about the hope that comes from a good income, but it does show that what we believe about a future reward enables us to endure difficulties in the present. What we believe about a future reward enables us to endure difficulties in the present. We are irreducibly hope-based creatures. So if you start stronger this year, then any year before, you will receive a great reward at the end of 2019. 
And the reward that you will receive at the end of 2019 is that you'll be able to look back and you will be able to see that you experienced a joy-filled, faithful life that honors God. This will be your reward. You'll be able to look back on the year and you'll be able to say, you know what? I experienced joy this year in the midst of whatever circumstance. And I was faithful to God and I honored God with my life. And that's a really, really great reward. I want to help you start stronger this year so that you'll receive that reward once this year's leg of the race is done. So we ask the question, we ask God for guidance, and we ask, how can we start stronger this year? So everybody look to your neighbor and say, start stronger? Oh, yeah, I feel the passion. Did you say it like a question? Because that's the question. Start stronger? And we're led to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, where the author gives a compelling plan to help us start stronger for a joy-filled year that honors God. So that, again, we get to the end of the year and we receive that reward of looking back and going, yes, I experienced joy this year and I lived a life that faithfully honored God. It'll change our perspective. So here in Hebrews chapter 12, we read uh, these few verses that are very popular. If you spend any time in the Christian church, you, you may be familiar with these, this passage of Scripture. So Hebrews chapter 11 is basically a telling of a group of people that are faithful to God. And it's a group of people talked about in the Old Testament. And then chapter 12 is an exhortation by the author of Hebrews, who we're unsure exactly who it is. But it's an exhortation by the author of Hebrews to to, to potential faithfulness. So you go in chapter 11, proven faithfulness, to chapter 12, potential faithfulness. And so we are in a position of those being listened or being talked to in chapter 12 of potential faithfulness. And here's the, here's the big idea, the thing I'm going to drive after today, the main idea. Here it is. With eyes on Jesus, you can experience a joy-filled life of faith that honors God in 2019. That's the main idea. That's what I'm going to make a case for. With eyes on Jesus, you can experience a joy-filled life of faith that honors God in 2019. So Sarah so beautifully read that passage. I'm going to read it again. It's just a few verses here. It says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So just four things I want to point out from this passage. The first thing is this, is that we have to be inspired by the witness of the Old Testament men and women who've gone before us. We have to be inspired by the witness of the Old Testament men and women who've gone before us. So we're summoned to start stronger this year by the example of these Old Testament saints. Can you think of people in your own life who have been faithful throughout their lives? Can you think of people that when you you consider their lives, you are inspired by their faith? I hope so. Maybe some of you are sitting next to a person right now that that is that for you. Well, the author of Hebrews is saying, hey, there's a group of people that are talked about in the Old Testament, and they've been faithful. So this is Hebrews chapter 11. I just want to read it to you. We're not going to have it on the screen. I'm going to read you this list of Old Testament faithful witnesses, because according to Hebrews chapter 12, we're supposed to be inspired by their witness of faith in the midst of difficulty. 
So if you have your phone or your Bible, you can look at it with me. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. It says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Here we go. Here's the list. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And, though, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. It goes on to talk about others. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go to a place that he was received as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past past age. Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. Do you hear the stories of these people of faith in the Old Testament? Maybe some of the names are familiar to you. Verse 17 talks about Abraham again, a man of faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Verse 20, by faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. The list goes on and on and on. Verse 29, by faith the people of Israel crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do so, they were drowned. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Verse 31, by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? The list goes on and on and on. This is like the the hall of fame of people that are faithful to God talked about in the Old Testament. Verse 32, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to talk of Gideon, to Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and the prophets, through who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped, by the, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight. Women received back their dead from, by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that others might rise again to a better life. So the list goes on and on. We ought to be inspired by the witness of the Old Testament men and women as we think about this year and as we think about starting stronger. We don't think about them watching us. Sometimes you read this passage in Hebrews chapter 12 and and we, we hear it saying that there's a group of people watching us. But it is more accurately read that we actually watch them. We watch them and we watch their stories of faithfulness in the midst of difficulty and it inspires us to do something we thought we could never do. And for some of you, what would be a really remarkable thing would be that you would go through this year, experience a joy-filled life where at the end you can look back and go, yes, I live a life 
that honored God this year, even in the midst of difficulty. There's a man by the name of Alex Honnold. He's a renowned rock climber. Are there any rock climbers in here? Any of y'all been to Momentum, that gym that's over off of Washington? It's okay. You don't, I mean, even if you got to the first little block, you can climb it, you know. I've I've been there, dropped my daughter off. (laughs) Um. So anyway, so he's, he's a uh, <clears throat> world-famous rock climber now, and one reason that he became so famous is because he became the first person to scale the iconic, nearly 3,000-foot granite wall known as El Capitan. It's fun to say. Just say it, right? El Capitan. Come on, let me hear it. Oh, thank you. All the gringos are like, El Capitan, you know, and whatever. So this, uh, this, this, this granite wall, 3,000 feet high, he was the first person to free climb it, or free solo it. And um, what, what that means is that he's climbing it without any ropes, without any safety harnesses. He's the first person to do it. He wasn't the first person to climb it. He was the first person to do it without any room for error. This, this expanse, this vertical expanse, stretched more than a half a mile up. It's higher than the world's tallest building. It's so high that from the, the, the top of it, people on the ground can't even see the people that have made it to the top. And so along the way, Alex, as he was trying to figure out, he looked to be inspired and to be given wisdom by two other men, Kevin Jorgensen and Tommy Caldwell. They were the first to climb the wall although they did use ropes and harnesses, and they did it just two years before. But what is really incredible is that although Alex, it took him like five hours to do it, for these guys, they trained for eight years, and then it took them 19 days to do it with harnesses. But when Alex was thinking about climbing it, he, he talked to them, he studied what they did, he watched their, their climb, and he, and he learned from them, and he was inspired by them, and he gained wisdom by seeing what they were going to do. And, um, and so when he went to climb it, he, um, he, he drew upon the inspiration of those that have gone before him, and he was able to do something nobody had ever done. One of those uh, earlier climbers, Tommy Caldwell, called Alex's climb the moon landing of free soloing. And, and here's the thing. So there are these two men that did it with harnesses, and then there was Alex. But now every person who attempts to free solo this will look to Alex's inspiration, right? They will find out what he learned in his life, in his climb, so that they themselves might be able to accomplish something great. This is how the author of Hebrews wants us to think about these witnesses in Hebrews chapter 11. We look at their lives of faithfulness. We look at their lives of victory in the midst of difficulty. We look at their lives of obeying God when everybody around them rebelled against God. And we look at their lives, we're inspired by them in our own relationship with God. And in our relationship with God, let's call it a race, uh, the author of Hebrews goes on to say that you ought to be inspired by these Old Testament witnesses. And then as you're running your race this year, you ought to race without weighing yourself down. So the, the passage tells Christians to participate in what's called an athletic contest. Like the Christian faith is like an athletic contest. And we do whatever we can or is necessary in order to complete the event, right? So this metaphor of running a race is very familiar to them, and of course it is to us. 
And um, the foot race in particular was, was very important to them. And so in a foot race in these days, particularly during, during any kind of like uh, Greek games, uh, they would remove all their clothing to run unhindered. And so when the author of Hebrews said, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles, he's not actually just talking about sin. He's talking about get rid of everything that's going to keep you from running your race this year. I mean, here you are inspired and going, yeah, we're going to do it. Look at these people that have gone before us in Hebrews chapter 11, or maybe look at the people that have gone before you in your life now, and you're inspired. But for you to be able to run your race this year, you're going to have to race without weighing yourself down. And all of us have things in our life that could weigh us down. All of us are tempted by sins that could slow us down, that could trip us up, that can keep us from moving. And when the author of Hebrews says, you ought to run in such a way that you can run freed up from all of these things, I want you to know that it's possible in Christ. What are the things that are going to keep you way down this year? What are the things that are going to trip you up? Here's a, here's a little help on how you identify those things. What were the things that kept you from running the race you could have run in 2018? You know, for me personally, some things that kept me from running the race that I could have run is I too quickly got my eyes off of Jesus and I put my eyes on the difficulty of a circumstance. Or I too quickly took my eyes off of, of faith in God and I put it on uh, what the world would say about whether or not something is going to work out the way it should. And it got discouraging along the way. What is that thing for you? For some of you, maybe the thing that is encumbering you, that's keeping you from running the race that you should run is some kind of temptation or some kind of addiction. What I'm saying to you is the author of Hebrews is saying, throw it off. Get rid of it. And some of y'all have been messing around with that thing for so long and it is destroying you. It is killing you. It is suffocating you. And all I'm saying is that you can get to the end of the year and look back and go, hey, I'm living a joy-filled life of faith that honors God. And no longer do I have that robe of sin or those, those chains of temptation. You will have to be tempted, but those chains of addiction. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying. So we had to run this year in a way that you can run un unhindered. And, and so here's the third point. You don't have to run fast, but you do have to, you will have to endure suffering this year. You don't have to run fast, but you will have to endure suffering. This is the thing about this year. And this is what happens sometimes is we get going, we're inspired by the witnesses of Old Testament. Look what Abraham did. Look what Noah did. Look what Moses did. Look what Rahab did. Yeah, I'm going to be about that. I'm going to be inspired. I'm going to go, 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 go. And I'm going to really do something great for God. I'm going to end the year joy-filled, life of faith that honors God. And then what happens about two months in is something something hurts you or distracts you or causes you to suffer. And you're like, God, where are you at? Okay, I'm out. I'm moving on to this next thing. You will endure suffering this year. It's a part of life. You will endure suffering and it will come from one of your enemies, probably. So uh, Tim Keller has a way of talking about our enemies in life in this way. And I love it. He says that, that uh, Christians have three enemies. The devil, your own flesh. Your own flesh means like the part of you that, you know, wants to wants to make poor choices and, 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 and the things that sometimes, like Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 7, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? <laughs> That's your own flesh. Or worldliness. An enemy to you. The world, people in the world are not your enemy, but the, the cultural climate or the current around us is an enemy to you because it's not typically uh, moving you towards godliness in Christ. So as Christians, you have three enemies. And now as a non-Christian, if you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, you have one enemy. 
which ought to scare you far worse than the Christians ought to be scared of those other three enemies. That one enemy is God. The Bible says that you are an enemy of God through your rebellion, rejection, and indifference. So you will this year face difficulty, and for the Christians, the difficulty will come uh, oftentimes from one of these three enemies. And you've got to know that, and, and you don't have to run the race fast, and sometimes you'll begin to suffer, and so you'll slow down, and that's okay. But once you get in the race and start to endure the pain, you'll know that you're in the race. And the exhortation here from the author is to run this race with endurance. The two words that are there that are very important. Run the race with endurance. It implies that it's going to require stamina for you this year. And, and it's going to require discipline. And, and so the race this year is not for the sprinter. The race this year is for the marathon runner. That's what we do sometimes in New Year's resolutions, right? We sprint on these New Year's resolutions, and then we peter out about three weeks in. But what I'm saying to you is that if you want to get to the end in December the 31st, 2019, and look back and say, I lived, I started strong, and I lived a life of faith that honors God, what you're going to have to do is see this year and that life with God as a marathon, not a sprint, and you will endure pain. And along the way, you just know that you can continue to be faithful to God in the midst of the suffering. And here's how you do it. Look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. This is really where the passage is going. Jesus is the pace setter, the swiftest of runners. So the Old Testament witness inspi- witnesses inspire us, but Jesus empowers us. Let me say that again. The Old Testament witnesses inspire us, but Jesus empowers us. Jesus empowers us because his conduct was exemplary. And, and, and he did everything the Father wanted him to do because he was the God-man. And, and, the, and the expression here, author and perfecter, uh, could be interpreted formally like this. He, as the perfecter of faith, Jesus is the one in whom faith has reached its perfection. So the Old Testament witnesses and people in your life inspire you. But Jesus is different because he empowers you. He was able to do something which none of us have been able to do, and that is to live a perfect, sinless life. The reason I say with your eyes on Jesus is because there's nowhere else you could put your eyes that you could actually run a race this year where at the end of the year you'll look back and say, I lived a joy-filled life of faith that honors God. So my exhortation to you is that you would put your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And now Jesus, he exercised an endurance of faith, right? If you know the story of Jesus, he submitted to the plan of the Father and went to the cross, and he offers Christians a way to be reconciled to God. And um, this is why we put our eyes on Jesus. So you, you're here maybe and in, in, uh, you have not yet crossed over the line of faith. And you would maybe respect the idea of Jesus or maybe even believe that Jesus, the man, actually existed. But what I want you to know is that the, the Bible reveals Jesus as more than a man like you and me. Jesus is God in the flesh, enabling him to be the pace setter for the race that God's called us to. So the reason Jesus is such a big deal, and the reason I even began today's service by saying that we want to help you see Jesus more clearly is because we believe that the more clearly you see Jesus, 
in the race, the more fully you'll understand who God is and you'll understand the race that God has for you this year in 2019. And so we want to put our eyes on Jesus, uh, looking to Jesus, this passage says, the author and perfecter of our faith. Although sometimes, as I mentioned, we tend to take our eyes off of Jesus and we put our eyes on other things. Maybe it's the approval of others for some of you. Or, or maybe it's a temporary pleasure. You pick up these temporary pleasures thinking that they're going to make you ultimately happy, and all they do is leave you uh, more sadly empty. These are the weights we has, must get rid of. And so Jesus, as the author and perfecter of our faith, not only did he, did he fulfill the faith and reach its perfection, but he also seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And this is a striking reversal of situation where Jesus on earth died on a cross, was raised from the dead, and then he ascended into heaven, and then he sits down at the right hand of the Father. This striking contrast ought to inspire us to believe that Jesus can empower us for the kind of life that he wants us to have this year. So my exhortation to you is that you would put your eyes on Jesus. If you want to start stronger, I'm not going to come at you this morning with like, here's three ways that you can make better decisions in your financial life, although those are important. I'm not going to come at you with, okay, here's two, here's two relational uh, kind of hints. You know, I mean, there's a time for those kinds of things. Or I'm not going to come at with you, you with like, here's how you, you, you make your boss happy so that you can advance you know, in the organization. No, I'm coming at you this morning with this. With our eyes on Jesus, we can get to the end of the year and look back and say we had experienced a joy-filled life of faith that honors God. That's what I want, and I hope you do too. And here's the beautiful thing. We get to do this together. Together. The church is not a me, it's a we. We get to do it together. Uh, maybe you can remember the story, speaking of races, the 2016 Summer Olympics. There were two runners in the 5,000-meter uh, race, and it was actually a qualifying race, which is, makes it quite remarkable that any of us even know what happened. But about 3,200 meters, one runner tripped, and it left two other ladies lying on a track, Abby De, uh, De Agostino and Nikki Hamlin. Raise your hand if you remember the story at all. So, so in, in, in they're at 3,200 meters, they're running for 5,000, qualifying to the actually get to the place in the Olympics where they can actually win a medal. And, uh, and, and somebody trips, two women are on the track. So Abby's first instinct once she got up was to turn around and to help Nikki. And the reason it was all over the news, and if you Google this, I mean, there are like, like hundreds of articles about this because people have said that this is the Olympic spirit. This is the way it ought to be, is that essentially when Abby got up to help Nikki, she was, um, she was not giving up on her race, but she was putting herself in a position where she would definitely not win the race. And so Nikki tells the story of she's laying on the track in the race, having tripped, injured, and she is completely discouraged, and then she feels the hands of somebody on her shoulders lifting her up. And so they begin to walk together, and then what happens is Abby, who's torn her ACL, actually falls to the track. And so the two of them, for some time, walk together, stumbling towards the finish line. And as I was thinking about, like, okay, this passage in Hebrews where he says, look to the Old Testament witnesses, and then be empowered by Jesus, eyes on Jesus for a life that is... is the way that God wants us to live this year, like, like for us to run the race that God wants us to run, I thought to myself, is like, what happens when I stumble? What happens when you stumble? 
and we don't want to get up. And we don't want to, we, we don't want to continue racing. We need each other. Some of y'all are here for the first time and you're looking for a church. And, and there, there's churches all over this city. You know, this is an amazing place with a lot of amazing churches, uh, amazing cities, a lot of amazing churches. Um, uh, and I would say you could go to churches for all kinds of different things. But you know one thing that you'll find here? You'll find a place where if you fall, someone will lift you up. And if you get discouraged in the race, someone will be willing to encourage you. And you're going to need that, and I'm going to need that so that at the end of the year, no matter what happens this year, we can look back and we say, I experienced a joy-filled life of faith that honors God in 2019. If you will start with that mindset, with your eyes on Jesus, believing that that's your reward, then you will have the kind of year that you're proud of. And so as a part of that together kind of idea, what I want to challenge you with very practically and call you to action on is that whenever you're in town this year, you've got to come to church. You've got to gather with the church on Sundays. You've got to meet with your loop group, which are our midweek small groups. Uh, we're going to be offering some classes on Sunday morning before the, the sun, the, the, this hour where you can come and you can learn and be trained in different areas. Take advantage of those things when you're in town. Make it a higher priority because you're going to need to be next to people who when you fall, they can go, hey, you've fallen down, let me help pick you up. And you know what? People are going to need you. If you do, if you will, with your eyes on Jesus, set your mind and heart on that reward, you'll be encouraged this year in 2019. You'll, you, will, you will have the opportunity to be reminded of the gospel. You'll be upheld in the midst of suffering. You'll be celebrated when you succeed. But if you did not, you will withdraw from the race. You will drift off course. You will continue to be weighted down by that weight and you will grow weary and faint-hearted. So this is my challenge to you as we begin the year, and let's, uh, let's pray on and think about these things.